Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast. And today I'm joined by quite a unique guest. And I was uh, approached by Chad, uh, who I'm going to introduce you to uh, briefly in a second and let him tell you more of his story. And when I saw his topic of expertise and I saw what he brings to it, I thought this is something that nobody on this podcast has ever, ever mentioned and talked about before. So I know we're going to talk about all things business and we're going to talk about perhaps being over caffeinated, but yeah, I'm sure we're going to cover Chad's topic of expertise as well. So welcome to today's podcast, Chad. Good to have you here. My pleasure. Great to be here. I've got a uh, so a quick little backstory on me. Mm, so please. I grew up I grew up super middle class Midwest values up up here in the United States out of Michigan, yep. right? And so by nature, I was destined to go to college for 4 years, get an engineering degree, go work for GM or Ford, maybe okay. maybe at the peak of your career, you'll be lucky to make 50 grand a year. A couple yep. years down the road, you might buy a boat, right? That was what that yep. was my destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh Long story short, I I did the exact opposite, and now um, we've we've done multiple multiple seven figures in portfolios of alternative assets in investing, um, and it's just been a heck of a journey. It's been a fun fun yeah. journey. So, can I ask what was the catalyst then that stopped you going on that prescribed journey then? Because you know, I was very same. You know, my my dad was a coal miner. Uh, and the catalyst to that is that he was adamant that I would not follow in his steps. You know, and where I lived, it was a coal mining town. You know, everybody worked down the mines or was involved in mining in some way. And he was, you are not going to do that. What was the catalyst for you not following that journey then? Yeah, for sure. So first and foremost, like the Midwest way is work hard. Everybody mm-hmm. works hard, right? But that doesn't necessarily always mean work smart. And yeah. I got my first job at f- almost 15 years old at a country club. And this country club was probably the most affluent country club in that area, right? Yeah. And so, you know, every single day I'd see brand new Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches, just the most beautiful cars. I've been a car guy my entire life, still am to this day. Good. And I quickly realized, you know, my dad was dropping me off at work in an old Chevy Malibu, right? Yeah. I saw very quickly the delta between the two worlds. And from there, as I grew older, you know, at 16, that's when I first started my, my first business, simply by asking questions, right? And because I quickly realized that everyone there, the more affluent type of people, they either owned something or they operated something. They were not. They were not working for wages. Yeah, They're creators. Sure. And I suppose seeing that stark contrast 
between you know and i'm a big motor head myself as well so bikes and cars you know i'm a bit of a bike fan yeah. as well so uh cars and bikes uh particularly off-road uh, i love my jeep yep. wranglers uh, etc so uh but it's seeing that stark contrast at 16 can neither send you one of two ways can't it? it can make you intimidated and you become more oppressed by that or you say i want to be like them yeah, it might not be an exact mirror image because sometimes you can mix with people that you think I want to be like them, but I don't want to be them because yeah, they've got a bit of an attitude or a bit of something that I don't want. But generally, there's an element to what you want in there. So well, well done on choosing the latter and, and moving that way. So that's that's great. So you said you started your own business in sixteen. We're going to talk about that in a second, but before. We do that and we talk more about what you've been working on recently in your businesses and since 16. Tell us a little bit about this, what you mentioned before the recording started, this over-caffeinated start to the day then. Tell us a little bit more about that and how your day pans out. Yeah, for sure. I like to be hungry and caffeinated, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, once you have a big meal, you get lazy, you get lethargic, you're fed, right? And it kind of goes back to the Stone Ages, right? You had to go out and hunt for your food. Yeah. Right? You had to go accomplish something. You had to go conquer something to eat, right? And so personally, I start my day with a cup of coffee, finish that cup of coffee, go straight into an energy drink. By 10 a.m., I probably have 350 milligrams of caffeine in my blood, right? <laughs> From there, you know, I'm, I'm on an empty stomach. That caffeine hits you hard. You're wired. You're moving. And I probably won't eat until today. I probably won't eat till 3, 4 p.m. And so I like going through this perpetual state of over caffeinated hunger and um, yeah, it keeps you, keeps you lean too. Cause then you, then at night you can eat what a, you could eat 2000 calories for dinner and you're sure. doing just fine. Sure. And so it sounds crazy. You know, I'm sure there's all kinds of people out there that says that's not healthy. Don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. That is the place where my mind is hardwired to accomplish yeah. and conquer. So yeah. And I think anybody listening to this, you know, we all are either a morning person or a nighttime person. We all have peaks and troughs during the day, don't we? And we all have different ways. And I, I, I'm completely with you on the hunger thing. You know, I'm, I've just come back from a vacation and, you know, I've put a few pounds on. Uh, I want to get rid of them. But I'm going to do a fast and I do a fast on a regular basis. And when I say fast, I'm not talking about, you know, I, I don't eat all day and then I eat in the evening. Literally. I will not eat anything food-wise or solid-wise, even if it's liquidized, for 10 to 15 days. And wow. the focus that gives you, you know, and religious people have fasted for devotional time for centuries because it focuses your mind. It, and people think it's the opposite. People think you're not going to have energy, you're going to be distracted. But actually, it's the opposite. You get energized and you get focused uh, and you know there's a there's a lot of medical uh, research that i did about fasting so i'm definitely with you on the fasting i'm not quite sure about the coffee i think that would be a bit too much of a, a hit for me at uh, <laughs> particularly my my time of life but yeah i'm with you on that so what what's your favorite coffee and how do you take it oh man i gotta be honest give me a sweet cream cold brew from starbucks and i'm ha i'm a happy camper <laughs> yeah well but I can understand that, particularly where you're heading to Arizona next year. Cold brew would definitely be the thing. Yeah. I must admit, I'm a Starbucks fan, as all the listeners know anyway. And I'm so excited 
that we're coming into into the fall season and the pumpkin yeah. spice <laughs> latte is now on the menu. I got my my Starbucks membership preview of my pumpkin spice latte yesterday and I was first first to the queue to get that and gingerbread lattes that's that's it that's my my holiday season made when I get that so uh, yeah I'm not a, I'm not a cold brew fan but that's just because I live in the UK so I'm I'm definitely with you on that so that's great love it so tell us a little bit about that first business and tell us a little bit yeah. about how you've evolved into the business that you have today give us a little bit of a, a journey on that yeah it was, it was such a great experience because like i said i was 16 years old right and the story goes i was at the country club and there was three guys sitting at the bar i was just a, i was just a bar back bus boy you know trying mm -hmm. to trying to make my way right and one of the guys I had a decent relationship with, I mean, just small talk here and there, like he knew my name and whatnot. And I heard him complaining that he needs to get home. He can't play another round of golf. He needs to get home because his wife would tan his hide if he doesn't finish the, the landscaping remodel at his house. Okay. And I said, Chris, let me, uh, you live right down the street, right, man? I'm done. I'm getting off in a couple hours. Let me, let me come take a look. Let me see what that looks like. And uh, we can, we can get that knocked out for you. I didn't know what I was doing, you know? <laughs> My mom had me pulling weeds when I was eight, but other than that, didn't have a clue, right? So I drive by his house and, um, you know, he meets me, shows me what needs to get done, and I quote him a couple grand to do this. I had no idea how much time it was gonna take, what it would cost, nothing. But, you know, four, four and a half grand sounded like a good number, so I threw it out there. Okay, no problem. Sounds like right? a good so number to me. Like, what's that? Sounds like a good number to me. Yeah, sounds like a good number, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I call a handful of my buddies and say, hey, meet me here tomorrow, 7 a.m., bring all the gardening tools in your folks' garage, and we're going to make some money, right? And so that's what spawned my first business because as we're, you know, busting our busting our butts out front, the neighbors are walking by. Oh, I, what's what? you got any business cards? No, no, yeah. sorry. Out of business cards. Oh, yeah. here's my number. We got a job down the street we need help with. And the really interesting thing was I was so young, right? Like I, I ran that from 16 to 18 and, you know, it was a six figure business, but it never grew bigger than me. I didn't know I was young. I didn't know systems. I didn't know ops. I didn't know leadership. I didn't know hiring. I knew nothing. Right. So it never grew bigger than the next job. Yeah. Right. And I'm really grateful for that because today it taught me some really important lessons about picking a good opportunity vehicle. And um, so, yeah, that was my first experience starting a, a business and, and I'm super grateful for it, you know? Yeah. And I think there are lots of opportunities that come our way, not just when we're younger, but as we go through life that we hear and we just walk on by because it, it doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't fit with what we're looking for. And it's an opportunity missed, isn't it? Very often. And that opportunity, you have no idea where it's going to go. And yeah, I, I love that. Because if you'd have said a couple of hundred bucks, he'd have probably said, yeah, yeah, great. And then, yeah, you wouldn't have better to get all your friends. And you'd have been in the trap that you just talked about, working really hard for very little return. 100%. And full transparency, too, for everyone listening to this, right? Like... Oftentimes you hear the cliche of everyone starting this business because of this incredible passion, this incredible why. Oh, I, you know, I'm just so passionate about horticulture and, and landscaping. 
absolutely not. I was a money hungry little kid. I was tired of being, you know, I was tired of driving a crappy car. I was tired of not having any money. All my friends had rich parents. They had, you know, a brand new dirt bike. I was tired, tired of not having. Yeah. I was just a money hungry little kid and I wanted to yeah. make money. Simple yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You've used the word hungry in your day, caffeinated and hungry. Yeah. And you were hungry for that. And I think, yeah, it's that passion. It's that hunger uh for for doing something different for being different isn't it so great so what tell us a little bit about the business that you've got now and and what's been something significant that you've been working on in your own business right now yeah so at this point i'm really just an just an investment operator right mm -hmm. so i have several different uh holdings of real estate i've partnered in 25 million dollar reggae funds that buy self-storage multi-family properties um, I had a $2.5 million Ethereum mining warehouse, okay. right? So at this point in my career, I'm really just an operator and I just have a lot of fun making deals, making investments, creating things and being very particular with really my opportunity vehicles, mm. right? So some of them, um, I've, I've taken bigger risks, I've taken lower risks. I just kind of navigate the world as an opportunity um, and try to put myself in front of it in the most timely, profitable way that matches my strengths and my superpowers. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you, as you were talking there, I think about one of my favorite authors, and he's one of the authors on my list, uh, Oren Claff, who wrote the great book, Pitch Anything and Flip the Script. Uh, and it was all, he's, he's all about the deals, always you know, all about the investments, etc. I, I should imagine you see both sides of pitching for something and being pitched to. What lessons have you learned during that process of going through this vehicle of opportunities when it comes to being pitched to or pitching yourself? Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a preference on which side of that equation I start on? Oh, absolutely not. Go with the one that cool. feels the best. Cool. So the easiest to unpack is I get pitched to all the time. Right. And most people, most people get really caught up in the, the ethereal components of starting a business or creating an investment opportunity. Right. They're really, really concerned about having a nice logo, having a nice website, having a nice mission statement. Right. All of these ethereal things, whether it, whether you're offering a product, a service or an opportunity, they get really caught up in that instead of having the market prove that there's actually demand for their thing. Right. And so for me, like, let's just arbitrarily use a, a service, right? Let's just say you want to start a pressure washing company, yep. right? You spend the next three weeks getting all these, all these things together, business plan, all this, all this stuff, right? What you really should have been doing is knocking on 50 doors that day and selling your first five clients, proving product market fit. That's really yep. where you should be. And so most of the time I get pitched, they're in that place and I don't really care. Like I'm just, I'm good, right? Really ultimately the only opportunity vehicles I'll be interested in, um, they've already have product market fit proven. Um, so that's just first and foremost. And then ultimately um, I, I just get to be picky, which is really nice, which leads me to my second point. When you're pitching, when you're pitching an opportunity to somebody else, in the beginning, it's really hard. It's really, really hard because you're probably a nobody. I was a nobody for a long time. Yeah. I didn't have money. I didn't have experience. I didn't have this long list of accomplishments, right? 
And ultimately, that can lead you one of two places. And the, the latter I'm going to describe is really going to be the answer. The first is faking it till you make it, right? Let's say you have no accomplishments, you have no money, you, have, you don't have any of these things, and you're portraying yourself to be somebody you're not, hmm. right? That might work for a short period of time. Yeah. However, it won't work with guys like me. Right. It's not going to work with people who are actually doing deals, who actually see through the facade. Yeah. Right. And so the latter is going to be being open, honest and unequivocally yourself. That's going to get you a lot further along. And that's how I closed my first real estate deal. Right. So at 23 years old, I closed an 83 unit apartment building that we acquired for like seven and a half million bucks. I had no money. I had no real estate experience. I had nothing. And I went to a group of guys who were operators and I said, Hey, I want to, I want to get it on a real estate deal. This stuff really interests me. Um, here's some experience that I have. I don't really know what I'm doing. How can I add value to, to your process? And I was making 150 calls a day to brokers looking for a deal. And I eventually found a good deal and I eventually got my name on that property. Right. So it's really Mm -hmm. about doing the work, being open and honest, and somebody will likely give you a shot in that sense. Um, and then that's when it starts to get good. Once you have the accomplishments, once you have the proven track record, you have all these components, you don't really pitch, mm. right? Like you don't really pitch anymore. You just present, Hey, I got this opportunity. Um, you, last time we talked, you said you might be interested in something like this. Yeah. Uh, here's what I got going on. Yeah. You interested or not? Yeah. And it's, it's interested. I think, you know, there's a couple of things that you said there for the listeners, I think, that are really, really important. Um, the, the proving that product market demand, absolutely. You know, um, I see that so many times with, with businesses. I also see the flip side, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this in a moment, but from sometimes, Chad, I see that people get trapped in that, where they're always in the beta testing mode. And they don't seem to be able to get out of it because they lose the confidence in actually taking that step out and and doing what they have set out to do. And I see a lot of people go the two extremes. They either avoid it or they get trapped in it. And you know, the good ones are the ones that do neither. But what you said there, I think, was really important about the, the pitching. Because I know there's probably quite a few people here that do have to present or, or pitch. You said you ask these guys what value can I bring? And I think too many people go with the cap in the hand saying, what can you give me? Rather than what what opportunity is there for me to bring something to the table, isn't it? Because most of those people, most of those opportunities want you to bring something. Yeah, you know, the garden that you talked about, the landscaping, you gave that guy the freedom to stay on the golf course, do what he'd got to do, and his wife was going to be happy. You know, that was a giving thing. Even though he paid you a good amount of money and you got all your guys, you bought something to that deal. You bought something to the table, didn't you? And I think when, we, when we're when looking at pitching, we, we, we're we always trying to think about what do we get rather than actually what can I give and what, what value can I bring? What, what are your thoughts on, on that and the trap of people being in that sort of product proving point yeah yeah i think it goes back to that that anecdote nobody cares 
nobody cares about how much you can help until they know how much you care. Yeah. Right. And so if you come to the table and and you're and and here's the thing too, I especially at this place in my life, right? I can see through it all. Mm. If somebody comes to the table and they're putting on a facade trying to fake it and act like they care, I'll see right through it. Yeah. Right. So genuinely, and I talk about this all the time, like, you know, people say, oh, you don't do business with your friends, you know, but look, like personally at this place in my life, like if I can't sit down and, and enjoy your company as a friend and have a meal with you and break bread with you, we have no business doing a deal together. Yeah. Yeah. If we can't get along man to man, man to woman as friends first, we have no business doing a deal together. Right. And so I hold that true to this day. And so I think it goes way back, especially in today's day and age, where I think so many people get away from being a genuine, good, happy, healthy, moral, sound, prudent individual. Yeah. Right. Once you build that confidence in yourself and you know exactly who you are, yeah. You can bring that to the table and people are going to resonate and attract with that type of energy. Yeah. I think um, one of my favorite authors, and he's been a guest on this podcast, Mike Michalowicz, he wrote a book called The Pumpkin Plan. And one of the things in The Pumpkin Plan, when you look at your ideal customer and the ideal client that you want to work with, think about somebody you would want to spend weeks and weeks stranded on a desert island with. Yeah, you're going to have to talk to these people. You're going to have to put up with their humor. You're going to have to put up with their habits. You know, what kind of person? I think you're absolutely right. If you can't sit around the table and, and have a meal and have a conversation, I've just come back from my longest standing client. And as a business coach, he's been my client. Uh, he's a construction contractor. And I've been his business coach for 14 and a half years. And he's paid me every month for 14 and a half years. I hope he's not listening to this because he'll be thinking, oh, actually I have. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, we have become friends. You know, I've I've had some issues during those 14 years where I've reached out to him for help and I knew he was going to be there. So he wasn't a friend when we started, but he became a friend by us working together because we had that synergy. And I would love to be stranded on a desert island with this guy because he could build the shelter, he could pump for the food, he could do all the things that I couldn't do, and we'd just have such a ball. It'd be such a great opportunity. So I think that's really important what you said there. What, what do you think about the people sometimes that spend too much time trying to prove the modeling? I've got a prospect I, I spoke to oh, about four or five weeks ago and she's doing a doctorate PhD and she's trying to prove a model and she's been trying to do it for five years. And you know, I said, when are you going to do it? When are you going to step, step out and actually stop trying to test it? You know, what, what do you say about those people that get trapped in that other side? Do you see that? Uh, and is there any insights you can give us yeah. on that? Yeah, I think it's really, it can go, it's such a double-edged sword of a question because it really depends on the inputs that they're putting in to prove the model right? If their inputs are broken, they're never going to get the outputs and then you're never going to prove your offer or whatever it is, sure. right? So it really comes down to, to really what those inputs are. And I think personally, I think people often overestimate how hard they actually work at something, right? I think a lot of times people like to tickle their mental capacity as if they're working. And for me, what that looks like Okay, let's say I'm in the real estate industry and I go to 10 different real estate conferences this year. Sure. Right? They got people on the stages, 
They're talking about marketing. They're talking about systems. They're talking about finding deals. They're talking about all these things. I've gone to 10 of them. And I'm exactly where I was at the beginning of the year. I might have a new website. I might have a logo. I might have hired this company. I might've, I might've added 50 people on LinkedIn from these conferences, but I still didn't close a deal. Hmm. Right. So are those inputs really the nitty gritty hard work I need to be doing to close a deal? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right. And so I think so many people fall into that trap and they look two, three, four years down the road and they're like, man, this doesn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I see some, I mean, networking is a typical one. You know, people just seem to over network. They go to these places, certainly here in the UK, where they go and they have a cup of coffee and a soggy cookie at the side of it. And, you know, they're, they're sad and they're lonely and they go to networking to meet other people and they, you know, hang it on the premise that they're going to go and get some business from it. And they do it for 12 months and still have nothing out of it. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. So it's some, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's always the boring things that get the results, right? It's not the, <laughs> yes. it's not the, it's not the $5,000 real estate conference in Miami. That's not the thing, yeah. right? It's always the boring things that get the results, picking up the phone, making a call, making a hundred calls to different real estate brokers in your area that you're looking for a deal, right? It's always yeah. the boring things over and over and over again that that get the result and everyone wants to do the new shiny thing that they saw on Facebook or whatever. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, there comes a time where being innovated and trying new things can be valuable to your business, but it's not in the early stages of proving that you can do it in the first place. I completely agree. Completely agree. So what other kinds of, uh, opportunities, investments, you know, you mentioned real estate, you know, um, you know, when I was looking at your, your bio, there's, there's that sort of, um, crypto type thing, you know, is there, is there anything else that you want to tell us, uh, about other things that you've been working on and perhaps have evolved over the past few years? Yeah, I think, you know, take, take my journey with, with an eclectic grain of salt, because I think there's a ton of merit and a ton of value in picking one thing and sticking to it. Okay. Right. Because ultimately I think so many entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs fall into the trap of they'll try something for six months. They might make, they might start making 10 K a month. They got their buddy, John down the road. He's like, dude, I'm making a hundred K a month over here. And you're like, yeah. what a hundred K a month. All right, screw this. I don't want to do my 10 K a month business anymore. I'm going to come over here and you start going and trying John's thing. Right. And then John's like, then you're not getting, you're not getting to hundred K a month in your first year. And you go back to John and say, man, this is a lot harder. You, oh yeah, man. I, I forgot. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got this <laughs> yeah. problem. You got this challenge. Right. And so a lot of people fall into that trap. And I think if you can consistently do, if you have a proven offer, a proven model and you're making money, it's consistently doing the things that got you there, but doing them better, creating more leverage in those things. Yeah. Right. And so oftentimes um, I give a lot of merit to people who can do the same thing over and over and over again for 10 years because they're probably going to get a lot further along than somebody who's trying 10 different things in one year. Right. Yeah. Now, for me, I found my happy place. I found my happy place creating opportunity inside of vehicles that have a few different components. 
most importantly is going to be cash flow. Sure. Most importantly is going to be cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, second is going to be high ticket. I would rather do one deal for 10 million bucks than a hundred deals, <laughs> you know? So I like high ticket stuff. Yeah. Um, so MRR high ticket. And then I like having an exit plan. I like being okay. able to exit whatever that thing is. And so, um, at this point where really where I've positioned myself in the market based on liquidity, net worth, and experience, I can kind of navigate in and out of, of really fun alternative investment strategies. And I have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. And, um, that's what gives me, gives me a lot of, um, vitality and a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you said something there again, I think for the listeners, it's really important that and I want to ask you a question, Chad, because when people that I've worked with over the years have gone into something, I say, if you're going to go into this, you've got to have a way out of it. You know, yep. if, you, if you're going to run into the fire building, you've got to know which way the exit is to get out. And it might be the same way you came in, but you've got to know, but that's going to be clear when you come out. Is Do you actually think about the exit at that early stage of going into a deal or is that something that for you evolves as you go through it in some way it has to be there in the very beginning for me a great book is uh build to sell built to sell and the reason why it's so what's that john wavelo yeah 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 the, the reason why it's so important to me is because there's this and this isn't often talked about either most entrepreneurs don't have businesses man Mm. they own they just own their job yeah and that's such a that's such a huge phenomenon and i think really the test of that is can you walk away from your company for six months and still produce revenue at or above the same rate it was before you left yeah if the answer is no you don't really have a business completely agree. you've got a job that you own Right. And so I just hold that near and dear to my heart. And that's why having a company and that's why regardless if you want to exit the company or not, it still needs to be built to sell so that it can grow at capacity without you there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm very fortunate. I've been doing this. Yeah, I I sort of semi-retired at the age of 42. I had construction company and other businesses. And you're absolutely right. You know, I, I built every single one of those businesses to sell, whether I was going to sell it or not. But the mechanics, the building blocks were there. And when I did have that, have to make that choice because the banking crisis came along in 2009, it was an easy exit. It was an easy choice to make. I didn't then have to think, oh, the banking crisis is here. How do I sell my businesses? Because it was already built to sell. It was how can right. I build sell this business quickly? And literally within five or six months, you know, three businesses are gone and I sort of live in the dream yeah. right now. So yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah. I'm a big, big fan of John Warrillow and one of my favorite books of, of his as well is The Art of Selling Your Business. I use that with a lot of clients. That's that's Love a really, that. really good insight and a good good roadmap of how to get there as well. So, um, Chad, where can we go to find out more about you? Where can we reach yeah. out to you, find out more about you, uh, and connect with you? For sure. I personally believe that I like to be friends with anybody before I even have a conversation about business. So yeah. you can find me at Chad Whitfeld on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I have nothing to sell, nothing to offer anybody. 
if you liked what I said and think we might have some type of alignment and I want to have a conversation, um, we can we can certainly be, build a friendship and, and talk talk business there. Yeah. And just for the benefit of those that heard the name and weren't quite sure how to spell it and look for it, just give us a, a spelling for that last name. W-I-T-T-F-E-L-D-T. Fantastic. Great. Well, we'll make sure we get those uh, links in the show notes as well for Facebook and Instagram. Sure. Final question. Well, actually, penultimate question. If you were going to give the listeners a tip, something that they can take away from today, a lesson that they can learn, that they can implement, what would that lesson be today, Chad? Yeah, I think it for me, it's when it comes to if you're not already an entrepreneur, right, you already you don't have a business but you want to start one, Hmm. spend some legitimate time auditing your mental model, auditing who you are as an individual and making that decision. If, if, if it's good, if it's the right thing for you or not, because the truth is it's not for everybody, right? You will go through so many trials and tribulations, so much ambiguity or financially, mentally, all these components that most people just aren't wired for. And that's okay. That's completely fine if it's not the right fit for you. So I think a lot of times the reason why we have such an astronomical number of amount of businesses that fail year over year is because of that internal audit right there doesn't happen. Okay, so uh, that's interesting. So I, I did a Facebook Live earlier on today into a couple of the groups that I have, and it was about doing a reset. And yeah, I'm finding at the moment, particularly what ha- is happening out there in various economies around the world, that people are sitting there and saying, do you know what, I think I'm going to throw in the towel. And I think that, that evaluation of mindset that you've said there uh, should be done right at the beginning and completely agree. But I think there are also moments in your business where you have to say, should I stick or should I quit? And that evaluation needs sure. to happen on a, you know, not on a regular basis, but it needs to happen when it needs to happen. Hundred uh, well. percent. And I look, I've been there many times, many, many times, especially early in my career. And I think the most important thing to combat that is avoid self isolation with your thoughts. Right? There's one mm-hmm. thing to there's one thing to build a network, but a support circle is completely different. Right? Yeah. Especially as a man. Right? You're told your entire life, don't talk about your feelings, don't be vulnerable with other people, keep it all to yourself, don't cry, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so for me, I've been in that position, but luckily I had two or three guys that I had an incredible relationship with that were in the process of growing their businesses too. And I could have a hard conversation with those guys and get third party verification on my thoughts, whether or not, hey, like, yeah, man, it's time to time to actually quit that thing and focus on this or yeah. vice versa. And so, um, you know, building that can be so yeah. substantial. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a great tip. And listeners, yeah, I think that's a great thing to do, whether you're starting up or whether you're at that crossroads and, you know, do I do I stick? Do I quit? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I embrace a different opportunity? You know, have you got that that mental mindset? Have you got the hunger uh, for, for doing that as well? Because if the hunger isn't in your belly and it doesn't light you up, then it's going to be a a hard, hard road to go because it's not going to be an easy road. Definitely not. So final question then, Chad. This is the final question now. If you were to have your next morning coffee when you're getting that caffeine injection, 
and you were having it in a dream location and you were, I'm not going to pick the books because you've already given us a good book, but you were having it with one of your heroes in life or in business, dead or alive, where would that coffee be and who would be that person? Yeah, so this is this is pretty biased in the moment. I've been, over the last month and a half, I've been picking up in my life and moving it from Colorado to Arizona. So life's been pretty crazy, right? I've been out of my routine. I've been out of my house, all that good stuff. So truthfully, right now in this day, this day which was gonna, is going to be Sunday for us, it's going to be at my house in Arizona with my lady, truthfully. Okay, great. Just getting back to the basics. It's been a crazy month, and I'm just so excited to reground myself back and get back to my routine you know yeah so i'm going to keep it pretty simple today perfect perfect yeah great well that's and that's a that's a good way to end it i think grounding it in that way is a, is a real good way to end it you've been an amazing guest um just give us the details of how we can find you again facebook and instagram at chad and just give us the details again chad yep at chad whitfelt last name w-i-t-t-f-e-l-d-t great well thanks for being such an amazing guest thanks for sharing so many insights and lessons uh, and also the story i think yeah i knew the yeah. story was going to be interesting you know doing what you did from the age of 16 and moving through to where you are now is amazing and i'm sure all the listeners wish you all the best for the move to arizona and the and the grounding first coffee that you're going to have there with uh, with your partner as well so that's great and uh, thanks for being an amazing guest my pleasure thank you so much for having me on and of course, listeners, all you need to do now is two things. Leave a review. Tell us what you've thought of this podcast. Tell us the lessons that you've learned and what you've done with them. Okay. And of course, subscribe so you get to hear about when the next episode is coming up as well. Only the two things you need to do. And as always, I look forward to having you on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.